the boat's the boat, what will be will be. I'm leaving it until then, then you'll all see. On the internet, covering the entire history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way right through to the current day. Before we get into the episode, as always, it's shameless plug time. If you're enjoying the content we're putting out for you, make sure you hit that like button on Facebook. Subscribe to us on all the good podcast channels and even the bad podcast channels. Why not subscribe on those? And leave us some feedback. Leave us a rating. We'd love to hear from you to hear what you think of the show. But this week, you're going to hear from us talking about Survivor Australia, Australian Survivor to be precise, Season 1, of course. Episode 6, we are recapping The Game is Way Different Than It Looks. That is the name of the episode, not just us essentially saying something that is stating the bleeding obvious, I think. This episode aired way back on the 20th of March, 2002, and we've got a lot to talk about, as we always do every single week. My name is Ben. What an intro, Ben. Always love the uh, selfless plugs that we can do. Hey, guys, as you know, my name's Matt Dyson, and I hope everyone that's listening to this tonight or today or whenever you're listening to it is, of course, listening to it on their great Telstra network because we are going to learn all about how the Telstra network provides you the ability to make a call or do whatever you want anywhere in Australia, even in the most remotest places like Whaler's Way. It's very true, Matt. I mean, thanks to Telstra's mobile coverage, even in remote areas of Australia, you can still phone home. So, I mean, they're they're really good, particularly when it comes to the latest technology in Siemens mobile phones. I mean, they're just just hot property. Everybody wants one. Oh, it's gold, isn't it? It it makes you realise, like, just seeing the phone they use, which we're going to talk about later on, but it just makes you realise, like, how long ago this season was on air. Like, it's an old-school phone, but you're right, Ben. Today's actually, it's a really good episode, episode six. Um, You know, we said the last episode five was a little bit slow, but I really enjoy this episode. I've just watched it this morning again, and, um, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. I watched this probably about a week and a half ago, but then I also rewatched it just in the lead up to this because I think I messaged you just after rewatching it and I was sort of like, look, it's a bit similar to last week. It's sort of, you know, maybe a bit slower, you know, not quite sort of up at the standards of the first four episodes. But I think kind of rewatching again this afternoon, um, you know, while it's still definitely not the best episode of the season, it's, it's still got its merits. And I think it, it flows a little bit better than last week in the fact that while some people might think it's a bit slow, I think that there's there's more going on in this episode than last week, which really kind of was just mainly people complaining about the conditions. Whereas this week, you've got a bit more of the emotional toll, particularly with the family side of things. Sylvan's boot out, which is always going to be a fun one for us to talk about, but we've got some interesting things around that. And it's it's the last episode before the merge. So this is our last 
tribal split episode. That's always an important one. It's, it's always an important one, I think, leading into a merge episode, particularly in the early days of Survivor when the merge was much more set. You knew when it was happening. It's always going to happen at the halfway point, episode seven. So I think kind of this is that real conclusionary aspect of the first phase of Australian Survivor season one, and it's really setting us up now into what will be the, the real pointy end. And let's be honest, when things really get amazing in this season. And we also see a lot more of Lance. Finally, we'll get to talk a little bit about Lance. I feel like we we really haven't spoken much about Lance in our past recaps, and it's just because we're not really seeing anything of him. But this episode, he gets a good, uh, few good confessionals. I think Lincoln's back to his best. I really love Tribal Council. I think he, he asked some hard-hitting Dick questions Lincoln's that back. were not... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think Lincoln, he, he really he has a really good episode, and... Um, yeah, it's we learn about scissors, paper, rock, and about if you win, does that mean you actually go, or does that mean the person who loses? Uh, I'm a bit confused about that. We we're gonna have a big discussion about scissors, paper, rock. I think this is also a subtle Craig episode in just kind of what he's about, because I've got a bit of a theory around that little rock, paper, scissors moment, and we get a great confessional from Craig leading into Tribal Council here too. So. The first three episodes of The Merge are clearly almost going to be the Craig show, you would almost argue. And I think this... We've had a slow build to Craig, and I think really this has got some subtle little Craig moments too. But we've also got um, maybe the first time a bit of weak Katie, kind of. We've always seen very strong Katie so far and sort of dominated challenges and dominated the confessionals and the strategy. But this is really kind of the first bit of our weaker or vulnerable Katie as well. So there's some interesting stuff definitely to discussing this one but the first thing i think it's very important matt we mentioned last week uh well sorry last episode recap of course last week deb i hope you've all enjoyed the episode thanks everyone for listening i will say that as well we've got some great downloads on that one um in our last episode recap we had the very famous tiddlywinks confessional and of course i mentioned we're going to see that a lot more moving forward and I've, I've started the count. The tiddlywinks, tiddlywinks count, the replay count, we're on one. Because what did we get in the last week on Australian Survivor? We got the tiddlywinks confessional again. When you get a confessional like that, you abuse it as much as possible. I imagine like the editors and producers, they, they, no doubt they're going to keep using this confessional. It's, I mean, it's the greatest of all time, Ben. I would say the most iconic of all time. I think the greatest of all time is to come in the final episode, but that's a source of debate. I, I made sure I worded that carefully when I put it on social media. I said the most iconic, but personally, I think the greatest will come in the final episode, but I think you know what I'm talking about. We'll get to that eventually, but we're here, episode six, and bit of a bit of Kadena background. Of course, Deb voted out in the last Tribal Council. Sylvan shocked that Deb went, and... It's very interesting, sort of this, I guess, the, the recovery section here, the sort of the, the analysis of what's going on, because Sylvan, you know, is basically asking, did you guys plan to do this? Was this, you know, what you were going to be doing? And then Sylvan all but owns up to Karen, you know, oh, I voted for you, by the way. And she goes, I know. And then Sylvan's confessional, basically like, oh, I was a bit unsure about how Karen knew. I think it's kind of obvious, really, if you kind of work out the, the breakdown of how that went, because Karen clearly knows she didn't vote uh, for herself. Uh, clearly, they all know that Naomi and Craig are going to vote together, so that only leaves Sylvan and Deb. So, Sylvan's, Sylvan's unique this episode. I, like, bless Sylvan. We've had a lot of fun talking about him, and I'm sad that we're losing him this episode. Not as sad as David, but, you know, Sylvan's had a lot of fun for us, this, uh, this recap series. But he's kind of... 
I don't know. He's he's a lot a lot more level headed this episode. This is kind of the calmest I feel Sylvan's been all season. But then it's also kind of interesting him just trying to analyze this. It'd be interesting to talk to him about that when we do get him on the show. And I think it's interesting the fact he does actually end up asking the the rest of the tribe if they voted together. So he definitely seems to be a little confused as to why it probably wasn't Karen that uh, that left and and why it was Deb. Um, but Surely, I mean, Survivor, I know it's early days Survivor, but surely people are going to talk and he he knows people are going to talk about who they're going to vote for and he was outnumbered three to two. Um, so it is surprising that um, he's still, even at this time of the part of the game, he's still not understanding that people are actually communicating with each other about who they're going to vote vote for. We mentioned it's a little bit of an emotional episode. This is kind of the precursor to the reward and it's, it's always, a, it's a very Survivor thing, isn't it, that if you're kind of paying attention to the the edit and what they're showing to you, if all of a sudden you hear somebody start talking about family and it's a bit of a theme that clearly the reward is going to focus around this. So Naomi, she's in tears. She's crying. She's missing her family and friends. She's actually not swearing. She's not bloody talking about bloody everything. She's essentially just talking about missing her family and friends. And I do kind of like this little intersect from Karen, who essentially is just like, oh, too, not, too much emotion is not good. This is, you talk about getting to see a lot of Lance this episode. Which is true. This is the first time we really get to see a bit more of Lance. This is maybe Karen's strongest episode because really Karen's just kind of been there. Karen's just said a few things every now and then and, and not really given a lot. She's kind of almost in the Naomi Sophie category there, but maybe just slightly below in terms of what she's been shown. But this episode, she's essentially shutting down Naomi saying, stop crying. We're going to learn how much she hates Jane in this episode. Um, like, there's there's a few good Karen moments in this, which sadly is going to come a little too late because this is her second last episode. But um, I like this. I kind of like Karen's just, you know, straight to the point, like, too much emotion isn't good. Get over it, essentially. Yeah, you're 100% right. We, we do see more of Karen, and she's got... Uh, she gets some good confessionals this episode, as does Lance. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's one of these episodes where... People, are, it's like last episode, the last recap we did. It's um, people are still talking about how hungry they are, their emotional state. There's a lot of talk about missing kids, family, friends at home. So it's kind of good to see, see someone speak up like Karen and say, "Well, hang on a sec, like get over it." You know, like that's kind of like it's, it's good. It's like you're out there, you, you all signed up to play a game. You know, you're going to be away from family, so suck it up. I think it's important to looking at it from a narrative perspective with this episode and last week's episode, again, on the grand scheme of the game, these episodes really don't matter overly much. I mean, we were basically consigned to Kadena was done and dusted when they lost um, David a couple of weeks ago. Kind of that, that was it. That was a nail in the coffin. Deb was a hundred percent the nail in the coffin. So there's, there's really no coming back for them. But I think it's important that particularly in this period of survivor where the, the the living conditions is very important. And, of course, this is still those early days where, yeah, we still hear a lot about people missing their family and that. I'm not saying that doesn't happen now, but this was still very fresh and kind of a very key aspect of this because this is only, what, day 15, day 16, essentially. And yet, if you look at sort of compare this to modern-day Survivor where, yeah, we're, we're getting hearing them, you know, they're missing their families and that, but a lot of the early phase of Australian Survivor now a lot of it relies heavily on the humour aspect. So let's kind of, at the beginning of the episode, let's show a bit of a funny scene of somebody being naked in the water or, oh, you know, they're, they're playing The Bachelor because somebody likes three different people or stuff like that. Like, they play the humour up a little bit more, whereas 
this is different. This is clearly that era of Survivor where you're still focusing on things different. Not to say there isn't humour in these episodes, but I think this is just important to sort of compare the errors and kind of look at this. If you're thinking, well, this is kind of boring, it's it's just how it was shown at the time. And I think it's important also on this emotional and physical toll on these people because we're still learning this as a viewer in 2002. And we all know now that they definitely got less food and worse conditions than modern-day Survivor now. So... Yeah, Deb's uh, Deb's tribal council was day 15, so we're now on day 16. We even have Tapara. We see a scene from Tapara. They're, they're down fishing. Shona and Sophie are talking about being low on rations and how they need to catch a fish. And there's a really good confessional from Lance. He, he talks about people are getting less accepting of what's going on. So even at day 16 now, they've, they've had it. Let's be honest. Tapara's had it a very easy run. I mean, anyone that gets on a show and gets to play Survivor, wants to be on a tribe like Tapara where they've been to one tribal in 16 days. I mean, that's everyone's dream. It's a very easy run, and they get an easier run for the for basically the rest of the game. But even Lance is noticing that people are just st- they're getting hungry, tired, and it's just that natural, you know, way of not being tolerant anymore. And, even, you know, it, it, the pleasantries are starting to, to go, and I love that Lance mentions that. And it's also all about that transition phase too. Again, the last episode of the tribal portion of this season and a lot of the talk on this episode really is about the next phase because everybody knows when the merge is coming in early Survivor. It's it's a given. People basically know how it works. And I think you're right, like showing sort of the cracks forming into Para, just, you know, Lance talking about this. We've got Katie, as we said. He's, he's our first real Katie one, essentially saying that, like, look, this is... I, I'm struggling out here because, you know, everything here is just a snack to me. Like, I eat 30,000, you know, pieces of cheese a day or whatever she's talking about. She she eats everything. Katie is basically a garbage disposal unit. She's a professional athlete. She knows how to eat. So here she is basically just, you know, going absolutely crazy and sort of, you know, not going on the food. And then she sees the snails and basically the reaction of, like, oh, you're joking. Uh, and then I do love kind of this conversation around the snails at Tapara where it's like, oh, you just take the intestines out. It'll be okay. And then who is it? Is it Sophie or somebody says, oh, that's not too bad. And then Rob has a bit of a chew, goes, tastes like cut up Dunlop tires. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rob actually, I think at first he says, oh, a bit of, a bit of feces or something <laughs> like that. He, he says something like yeah. that. And then, and then he ends up yeah, saying about how it was, um, tastes like. Dunlop ties, but just just a little bit prior to that, when they're down fishing, uh, just getting back to the whole Lance thing, there's another bit I really like because he's just talked about how everyone's getting, you know, a bit agitated with each other, and then they're, they're trying to catch fish because they are low on rations, and he says to Katie and Sophie, he's like, oh, we, you know, we could go fish on the beach, and it's just a great little line, you can easily miss it, but both of them at the same time, both Katie and Sophie, they're like, yeah, but they have people have rods, you know, fishing rods. Like they're just annoyed that he's even mentioning that. Like that the way they say it to him, it's just, it's it's a little, almost a little bit aggressive. But it's just like, oh come, mate. Like yeah, you, yeah, okay. You might be able to go down and catch a, a fish on the beach. That's what people do. But you know, you need rods to do it. So yeah, it's just that whole little scene, and then you see him eating the snails and that. So yeah, it's that whole intro of once again showing us that they are struggling with food and living conditions. And it's also, I think, easy to sit here and simply say, it's only day 16. Doesn't sound like a lot, but, I mean, think about it. 16 days is two weeks and two days, right? A long time. And in Survivor time, 
pretty much double or triple the feel of that. I mean, you only play for two days, Matt, but I'm sure two days still feels like a lot longer than two days in Survivor Land when you've got nothing to do except talk and build a shelter and all this sort of stuff. And particularly at this point, they've, they've got their shelter, they've gotten to know each other, they know all their quirks and things like that. So, yeah, you're going to get a little bit annoyed. You're more comfortable with these people, and 16 days just feels so much longer for them, so you can really see the frustration building and why they're probably all so begging for this next phase of the game to, to come. Yeah, absolutely. And I never got to experience one of the, the days where they don't have a challenge or anything. I know even even in today's Survivor, um, they don't get many days where they can just go, they just have a whole day where there's no challenges or no reward or, you know, they only get a few days throughout the whole season where there's just a full day to do nothing. But back then, I think like probably every third day they got a, if, if they weren't going to tribal, they got a full day where they didn't have to do anything. So, I mean, you put a couple of those long days together where you're not doing anything and you're just sitting around a dirty old camp. Uh, you've got a lot of time to think. You've got a lot of time to realise how hungry you are. they all losing weight. We know that. It would be tough on the mind. Exactly, exactly. We got. I love this shot we have in the lead-up to the challenge mail reading here. It's sort of a really fast, sped-up helicopter shot. We've talked a lot about some of these you know, great shots, pre-drones, things like that. So these were all done via a helicopter. They look absolutely fantastic. Again, more credit needed for some of the editing in this season that clearly has never happened over the years. Um, and we, we learn this challenge mail, essentially, where there's something about digging up a phone and everyone's kind of analysing. Have you got it written out for me here, Matt? Ben, 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 let me uh, do the honours <laughs> Oh, here. look at you pulling out the piece of paper already here. You, you, you're, you're on fire. This is your new role every week, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to like this new role. Uh, but um, so in Kadena, we hear Karen reads it and she reads the whole thing. And then we actually hear Joel read it and then for Tapara and then he reads the whole thing. So we actually hear it twice. So I thought, why not? I'll write it down. So let me uh, do the challenge mail. So it says, sand between your fingers, sand between your toes. The more sand you gather, the further it goes. When at last your task is through, your reward will be shared with those who hear you. So straight away, they know, okay, that they're possibly going to be digging for something and there might be a phone call on offer. And you actually go straight to Rob and he talks about digging up a phone so he can phone home. So they're, they're pretty aware that's what it's going to be. And then, of course, we hear Naomi, um, it flicks to Naomi and we hear she has, oh, we have to win this one because she wants a phone call to her, to her kid. So straight away, they know it's going to be a big reward. We also get the return of our favourite lizard, don't we, as they're all walking off to the challenge. Did you, did you notice the, the lizard shot once again? I did, I did. They liked that shot. I feel like we need to give him a name. Or he, or her. Like, I shouldn't assume. I shouldn't, you know, uh, basically assume it's gender. Uh, you know, like Larry or, or, or like Leslie, maybe. I don't know. Le- Leslie can be both a male and a female name. So how about we go with Leslie? We'll go with that. But I, I definitely hope you're never assuming gender on this uh, podcast, Ben. I would never do that, Matt. It's 2020, all right, to date this episode. Uh, no one would ever do such a thing in such a time of history. So Leslie the Lizard, there, there's Leslie. Uh, they, that's the uh, the proper terminology, right? Not he or she, it's they. They, all right, Leslie the Lizard, I love it. Okay, but Leslie's excited because we're going to get to a challenge. And I have to say, these challenges in the tribal aspect, the tribal period of this season have been fantastic. I mean, the car was a bit odd, but it was something unique. But I think, particularly this episode as well, both challenges are great. And sadly, we're going to lose some of this in the coming weeks, particularly when we get to one challenge. Um, but 
this is, I love this challenge. So essentially they have to get a barrel, fill it with sand, then hammer it all with a set number of bolts and then roll it and putting up, put it up on a platform. Fantastic. It combines so many elements. It's great. And the reward, of course, with thanks to Telstra, because even in remote areas of Australia, Matt, you can still phone home. Uh, the tribe, the winning tribe gets 30 minutes to call back home. So um, clearly if uh, Kadena were to win this, you know, they're, they're getting a, a large portion of time each, aren't they? What, seven and a half minutes, essentially, they would get each. So, um, you know, that'd be great for them. And if Tapara wins, well, seven divided by 30, I'm not good at maths, Matt, you probably can work that out quicker than I can. But they get a lot less time. The point is um, that it's an exciting reward. So, Kadena, get out to a, a blistering start here. They They kind of dominate this challenge. And they should have absolutely romped this home, but they lose one bolt, and you have to have every single one of those bolts. And it's it's actually really heartbreaking to watch. And this goes back to a point I made like several weeks ago, where I said like Kadena really from that point were really in almost every single challenge. And this is clearly one of those ones, and it's just a slight little mistake. They they kind of just they lose it, and then they can't win it. And they they essentially do give up. But I mean, at the end of the day, I guess if they've looked everywhere they can, and all of a sudden Tapara are about to lift it up, I mean, what more can they do? But it is kind of hard to watch uh, for them, sadly. But Tapara win again. Uh, I should have mentioned uh, Lance, Shona, and Katie are the ones that do sit out here for Tapara, and great coaching from Katie too, like screaming on the sidelines once again. And um, everybody is just so emotionally distraught at this. Sylvan's yelling that all the bolts were there. Naomi's in tears. Joel's in tears. Jane's in tears. Everyone is in tears, winning or losing. And basically, this all leads into a, a, a weird cut. Ten minutes later, pops up on screen. We've never seen this before. And then Tapara decide that given that they were, they've had a bit of a hard time, Kadena, and that they were so close into this, that they're going to share the reward and that every single one on Tapara will get three minutes each and then everybody else then on Kadena will get the remaining nine minutes. So basically, Tapara will get three minutes each, which leaves nine minutes between four of them, so they get a little bit less than three minutes each there too. So um, a nice little gesture here from Tapara. Obviously, this is going to become a bit of a thing moving forward. I know you kind of have raised this in previous episodes that everybody seems to like to share a lot in this season, which brings into that dreaded mateship word, which, let's be honest, I don't think we've had uttered once in this season yet. Um, But yeah, it's, I mean, look, again, I love this challenge. I think this is a fantastic challenge. I really wish we could see this again because this is such a unique and interesting challenge and a a very nice gesture from Tapara, I think, right before the merge. Uh, I, I really enjoy everything that we see in this challenge. I agree. I, I really enjoyed the challenge. It's such a shame. Uh, I mean, Kadena were, were killing him. They would have won that challenge hands down. And I know when we interviewed Lincoln, I'm not sure if it was during the interview or off air, but I actually asked him, I remember I specifically asked him about this challenge and I said, can you confirm that Kadena did have all six bolt, bolts or was it a production error? And he confirmed, no, they they definitely had all six bolts, and they they just lost one of them. I don't know whether they when they picked it up, if one went in the sand and it it got lost in the sand. So he he did confirm that it, it wasn't a production error. It was it was definitely an error from Kadena, and it's such a shame because you know I think it would have been interesting, you know, not only them winning and and getting that confidence back up for the later immunity challenge, but uh, you know to finally see him win again and and be able to get those phone calls. In saying that, though, I 
I do think it was actually good for the episode that all of them ended up coming together and being able to make the, the phone call. I, you said, like you said, it's just before merge. And I actually think in the end it was, it was kind of nice that they all, they all got to do it and it made for actual good TV. Do you believe that had Kadena won, they would have shared it as well? Well, if Kadena won, I don't see why they would have to share it because it, the only reason they lost is, let's be honest, they, they couldn't find the sixth bolt. Um, so in the end, it would, if, if, if all six bolts you know, were, were there, both tribes were, were just playing the challenge and, and Kadena fairly won, and I'm not saying Tapara didn't fairly win because it's not their fault that Kadena lost the bolt, but let's, let's be honest, Kadena were going to win. They, the only reason they didn't win is because they, they, they couldn't find an extra bolt. So I think if Kadena had won, I, I don't think there would have been a necessity for, for them to share the, the challenge. I don't think they would have shared. <laughs> I definitely don't think they would have shared. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of, it's also a unique edited episode that we have this challenge happen and then basically we go into a little bit more sort of non-reward stuff and then we come back to the reward. Clearly, again, this is that sort of early period of Survivor where they clearly are showing things chronologically and probably haven't realised that, hey, we can show things that aren't filmed in order because I could imagine that should have this been a modern season, even if they do film the reward happening the next day, chronologically they're not going to matter. They will edit this and show this directly after the challenge, if you know what I mean. That's actually a great point you make, and you're 100% right. They really should have just, like you said, shot it, they won, they they asked... They tell Kadena that they're happy to share it, and then the next thing you see is the phone calls. Who cares if it's the next day? You just you just do it. Um, but you're right. I think back then, as we we've covered multiple times now, that they were trying to do it legit. You know, they were trying to to show, hey, that we're not hiding anything. This is what's actually happening. Which, of course, now you, you're 100 right. They would just edit it to show it as if it was happening straight after the challenge. And, and let's be honest, though. I mean, it's not. It's weird, but at the same time, it's not actually terrible. Like, it, it kind of works. Like, it kind of adds a bit more of a... I don't know. We just get a kind of nice few little fun shots here before the reward, don't we? I mean, Craig, he's doing the whole honey aspect that we've seen already from Tapara a few episodes ago. He fails miserably, essentially. Um, Him and Karen wearing matching Reebok shirts. I kind of think that's funny. We've got more of Katie struggling, basically saying it feels like morning sickness. And she has that little subtle line of like, oh, it's definitely not. Um, And then she's talking about being on a roller coaster. Shona's a bit worried about Katie as well. And then we kind of get a discussion about poo. Uh, is it Rob talks about having three movements in 16 days and that the clothes are dropping off him and then Lance also kind of having a bit of a conversation about this. So, um, you know, it, I like a good conversation about bowel movements, don't you? Hang on a sec, Ben. I can't believe you just casually skipped over the whole Katie line about possibly having morning sickness and being pregnant. This is one of the best lines this episode. Let's be honest. If she was in Kadena tribe, we already know that they're basically having sex at night, you know, because <laughs> they're sleeping so close together. We've already discussed that in a previous recap. And, and I actually laughed a lot when I when I heard her say this because, yeah, I because she's talking about morning sickness and all that. I'm thinking, well, if you had happened to be on Kadena tribe, who knows? It could have been a possibility. Who, who, I mean, there's not really many options there for her, though, on um, on Tapara, is there? I mean, it's not Rob. Rob's happily married. Joel's happily got a girlfriend. Lance is happily married. Um, and I don't think it would have been Jeff. So, <laughs> I don't... I mean, it could have been. He liked Jane a lot, didn't he, Jeff? But... Um... 
I wonder. I wonder how. I think I, I can't imagine Katie and Sylvan sort of teaming up too much. And I'm not talking about it in that way. I'm just meaning like it, it would have been interesting if Katie was in Kadena. I think her and Craig would have got along well. David, I think. Uh, oh, yeah, well, I mean, we see obviously her having that conflict with Craig. But had they been there from the get go, yeah, for sure. But um, I think I think her and David. I think we've discussed that a fair bit, haven't we? That I, I could see her and David definitely working together. Yeah, one hundred percent. But yeah, we we get um, Craig having he's caught some fish despite not getting the bees. I, I mean, I do like the little bees, and I like the kind of fact we revisit the bees and kind of just have this parallel. And I think kind of the whole bee chasing really just sums up Kadena and Tapara's fortunes in this game, don't we? I mean, Tapara is successful; they get some honey, they get the bees, and he's poor old Craig basically just oh oh I don't know how you get it and doesn't carry like oh I think you meant to smoke him out, eh? Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> What were they thinking, Ben? I don't know. And where is it? Like, this is clearly one of those... Is this when they get to go to the coast to to fish? Is that basically where this is? It's kind of so... I thought... I always thought that the the cave section was somewhere near the Tapara camp where they could get access and maybe Kadena didn't have access to the, the honey, but clearly they both were able to get there. No, my understanding, and I, I could be wrong, my understanding is they get it, the the beehive and the honey is is down when they get to go to the beach and do the fishing. That's my understanding. I could be wrong. But seriously, you look at when Tapara went and, and got the beehive down. They were fully kitted up. There, there was Jeff and – who was it? Jeff and um, – Joel. Joel, that's right. And they they had this – you know, they had everything covering their whole body. And even then, they still got stung a couple of times. And remember – Joel was sticking his head into the uh, <laughs> into into the water, and Jeff was talking about how he got bit about nine times. Fast forward it to Kadena going down days later, and Karen's there, no protection on. Um, you see, Craig's up right near the beehive, just ready to knock it down. Nothing on, and, and Karen says, "Oh, if the bees come, just just pull your beanie down, something <laughs> casual like that." I'm like, I don't think that's going to help. And luckily for Craig. He ended up getting stung a couple of times prior to him actually knocking it down. Because I tell you what, I don't. I think that would have been the end of his game. I think yeah, we need to edit those two clips together and just basically be like, you know, Kadena Tapara. This is just this is how it sums it up. It, and you're right; it's, it sums up both tribes. I mean, Kadena just don't think at the right times. I mean, of course the bees would they would they would have swarmed him, and they were swarming him without him even knocking it down. And Karen's there with no protection on. It's just, and they're like, oh, just whatever. It's like, come on, guys. I know you're struggling. I know you're hungry. But at least Tapara put a little bit of thought into it. We get to the reward now. And I've got to say, there is some real uh, little undertones of some classic humor here, I think, in some of these ones. And you, you know we're going to pick to pieces these ones because it's actually quite fantastic with some of uh, what is said along the way. So they're all on this beautifully looking cliff essentially it's a great location for it good job for the the art department to kind of choose a good location here to to really you know go and there's actually some really nice shots we're gonna get a really good shot coming up for the immunity challenge of them standing over the cliff kind of looking over the beach like it's actually very well shot there great cinematography in this episode but we get each of them having their go on the phone so lance first of all talks to his wife um is it his wife he's talking to his daughter isn't it no lance talks to his son jack Oh, I've written Jackie. Why have I written Jackie? Oh, because he calls him Jackie, right? Yeah, so he's, he's talking to his son, Jack. Sorry about that, Lance, if you ever listen to this episode. <laughs> just Because, uh, I, I, okay, I make sense of this now because his son basically is like, I keep forgetting you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's, 
I actually, I actually really like this whole phone call, and that's what I was saying before. I actually like the fact that I guess Tapara ended up winning and allowing Kadena to do it because, yeah, we when as you go through them, yeah, you get Lance talking to his son Jack. We get Jane talks to her mum Jennifer, and I think that's a big one for Jane because we know Jane's struggling in this game, and we know that she, you know she was living at home at the time while you know, before playing the game and she basically didn't have to do much. I think the most she had to do was make her bed every now and then. So, so even just seeing Jane talk to her mum, and, and you, you see a lot of emotions throughout these um, players when they get to talk to their loved ones. You're right. Uh, Jane, yep. Talks to her mum, Jennifer. And it's not really, we talk about sort of a bit more Karen, a bit more Lance, not really any Jen, uh, Jane this episode, except for people hating her, but we'll get to that. Um, Katie talks to her mum, Jane, and I do love Katie, you know, that she feels like the rat woman. Uh, and then I also love her little convo- conniving. And I know that yucky stuff is part of this game. Uh, good line to come from Katie there, but we'll, we'll get to more of that. <laughs> um, the next one, Joel, that's an interesting one because he talks to his girlfriend, Claudia, who we actually later on will get to see actually in the game, I guess. Um, but he's highly... Um, emotional when he's when he's talking to Claudia, so he's he's definitely struggling with, uh, I guess, you know, missing missing his girlfriend. I think it's it's hard to talk about Joel and any conversation around girlfriends and not talk about the clear elephant in the room with J- Joel after the game. And we just, I think, we need to clarify here that if anybody maybe doesn't know um, a lot of that, we'll probably get a little more bit later on. But this isn't the girlfriend that Joel was. The incident happened after the game, but it is. It's tricky to watch sometimes with Joel and his emotions when it comes to his girlfriend. And it's and this is where, like, I never, you know, both of us, we never wanted to come into this series and sort of, you know, judge Joel based on outside-of-game actions. That's an entirely separate thing. It's got nothing to do with him in Survivor. But it's kind of like what we've talked about with Rob earlier in this season when he's talking a lot about his wife uh, and his, his, you know, newly-born son and obviously what happens outside of the game in the future as well. But it, it is... I, I don't know about you, but it is kind of sometimes hard to watch Joel in these scenes and particularly later on when we do get to see his girlfriend. Again, not the same girlfriend, but it is still very tricky to have because clearly he's a very emotional guy when it comes to, you know, this aspect of his life. It's definitely a touchy subject. We all know that. And um, I think we made it clear right from the very start of doing this podcast that uh, we're, we're recapping what happened during that time back in Whaler's way. And this will always be in the episodes um, with Joel. And, and obviously at this stage, he's talking, when he makes a phone call, he, he talks to his girlfriend at that time, Claudia. So, you know, there's no getting around that. It's, um, you know, yes, things happen later on um, in the future, but, um, you know, we're recapping what happened at Whaler's way. And it does lead into Rob's call as well. Again, it's it's always difficult to watch Rob sort of talk about, um, you know, particularly his sons because he's on the phone to his wife, Dusty, uh, his son, Gabriel, who's, what, only about eight months old or something along that mind, Booba, as he calls him. And I love it kind of when he's like, oh, put him on the phone, put him on the phone. I want to see, you know. And what does he say? Like, has he started walking yet? And Dusty's like, yeah. It's like, oh, you know, I told you not to let him do that. Like, again, this is going into what we're just talking about, Joel. Like, it, it's we don't want to necessarily always talk about things outside of the game, but it's hard to, again, remove yourself from this moment because it is this is still very tragic to, to, to know what happens in the future here and it's just yeah it's just it's, it is a bit hard to watch here yeah definitely but one thing that isn't hard to watch is Shona's call oh. How, I, I 
Can I just make this clear now? You know I'm a massive David Haas fan. I'm his number one fan. But he's gone out of the game now, and I'm now shown as number one fan. <laughs> this lady, she's she's one of the best contestants on this season and one of the best female characters, survivor, Australian survivors ever had. And she rings her mum. Her phone calls to her mum, Jess. And she, Which I love. I love it. I just, just... I just kind of say I love the fact that what shown is what forty nine, and yep. she's calling her her mum. Who like I I don't want to guess her mum's age. She's probably still a very young spring chicken. But I I respect the hell out of Shona here that she is ringing her because I I would be on that show as a forty nine year old. I would still bloody ring my mum. Yeah, definitely. And it it shows that softer side to Shona. We we've often talked about you know there's Shona's often shown as this very dominant sort of woman and. She is, but she's also shown little softer sides to herself, and I think that's nice to be able to see. I'm glad that the editing department did allow us to see that other side to Shona. And, yeah, she talk, she's talking to her mum, and she's got this whole list of food of what she wants when she gets home, and, and then the mum actually mentions that, oh, you're not going to be able to eat all that, and she's like, oh, trust me, I'll be eating it. Now, now, Matt, I wouldn't be a good co-host if I didn't write this down verbatim. And uh, I have written this down verbatim. Uh, first of all, Shona does mention she's the only 49-year-old in the country with dreads. I like that one. But uh, Shona's long list of food, she says, when I get home, I want to have scroungers. I don't know what that is. Uh, I've written here, it sounds like she says vicious soir. I don't know what that is. Then she says she wants spinach slice with a baked potato and lots of yummy, I think she said yams maybe, I don't know, uh, cauliflower cheese, tomato and onion, and a big baked rice afterwards. And next morning for breakfast, we could have cold spinach slice and hot mac cheese with Tabasco. Because she emphasizes the Tabasco right at the very end, to which her mum is basically just is this silence. She's like, oh, oh, I don't know if you'll eat all that. And she's just like... I will. Trust me. <laughs> I just love how she just got this all played out. Like it's just—it's not just like, oh yeah, bring me a pack of chips or whatever. It's just literally like this freaking menu. I want to know. I really want to know if Shona's mum brought all that food to her at the airport. Well, hope, hopefully we get to find out um, later in our in our season with the podcast. But um, yeah, no, I think Shona's just shown once again why. Why she got picked to be on the show? She's she's one of my favourites, and uh, yeah, I love the enthusiasm. You're right about the Tabasco sauce at the end, brilliant. Tabasco. And I would have written, yeah, <laughs> and and I would have written it down, but um, I think just like you, there's a few things I didn't know what they were or understand. Yeah. So I, I'm glad you wrote it down and had a crack at it. Scrounges, vicious schwa, and I've written here yays, but I don't, I don't know if maybe she means yams. Well, if we're lucky enough to get Shona on in the future, we might have to... We'll ask her about her food choices. I'm surprised no one edited this and was, like, just dubbing over going, oh, and I want baked potato with can of Solo. And, oh, and I really want some cold spinach slice and Lay's potato chips. And and then then edit her to cherry ripe. (laughs) Cherry ripe! Cherry ripe! (laughs) Where was the cherry ripe enthusiasm there for Shona? I'm expecting we didn't have that. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? And I'll tell you another one one that's brilliant is the next phone call with Karen. It gets a little bit awkward. She's talking to her boyfriend, Adam. and um, Dick Adam. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to jump in here. And Karen, if you're listening and you've married this man and you've you've got a happy family and everything is hunky-dory, I am so thrilled for you. But your boyfriend at this point, Adam, was an absolute dick to you. He was was Lincoln levels of dickery here. It got a little bit awkward, didn't it? It's um, she's talking about how she's like a European woman, um, uh, with all the hair and everything, and um, 
And then, and then he's. What does he say? He he's, says like, he's like, like, oh, he's like, oh, you don't get to shave. And then he, she's basically like, no. And like, oh, babe, I don't know if I can see you like this. Like, <laughs> whether you were joking or not, like it doesn't sound like you're joking. And Karen's reaction is basically, oh, like you, you're not going to get away with this in 2020. Like God, Adam's basically going to be hung from the rafters as a as a misogynist <laughs> prick. Like, oh, screw you, geez. Adam. Yeah, no, it just shows you. It, it's oh, it's funny, isn't it? it? It was it was an awkward phone call, and uh, yeah, it was. I mean, th- there was always going to be at least one awkward phone call when what you're having ten people or so that take the phone call. It's not the only one though, Matt, because we've got a couple more here. Subtle ones to go. Naomi talks to her boyfriend Chris, uh, to which Naomi's like, "Oh, babe, it's so good to hear from you." Now I don't know if Chris was maybe like expecting a different type of phone call because all of a sudden he's like, "Oh yeah, you too." Like. <laughs> He's so, like, into her voice. Like, I, I'm kind of thinking he doesn't realise that this might be Phil for National. He's probably naked in a bath with some lubricant. I'm a bit worried there. Oh, I wonder if they told the people that they're gonna, yeah, the camera's going to be listening. <laughs> they didn't tell Chris. <laughs> Chris didn't get the memo. What are you wearing, babe? It's like, um, I'm in my... Oh, yeah, tell me more. It's like, Chris, you mean for... Oh, shit. Uh, uh, I miss you. Love you. Bye. She's like, I'm in my buff. And then he's like, well, sh- are you wearing it like Ben Morthaworth wears his buffs? <laughs> yes, I'm sure I was on the mind of uh, 2002. This, yeah, I mean, again, no disrespect to, to Chris. Naomi, if you're listening and you've married him, I'm sure he's you know great guy, happy family, fantastic. But, I mean, at least he doesn't sound like a dick like Adam did. At least he's just, he's just a bit lonely, clearly. You've been gone for a couple of weeks, like, you know... Bit of, you know, Chris and Naomi time perhaps there. But uh, then Craig rings his mum. And what what do you think Craig's going to ask for when he gets picked up from the airport? This is actually the best phone call of them all. We already know the guy is a chocolate <laughs> connoisseur. So, of course, he rings his mum, Heather. And all he wants is for his mother to bring chocolate. And not just any chocolate, but family <laughs> blocks. Not just the normal blocks. Family blocks of chocolate to the airport when she picks him up. Brilliant. I do I do love it's kind of like, you know, like, oh mum, don't cry, I'll start crying too. I want chocolate. Family blocks. <laughs> I could just picture it if um if the mum turns up and just with a normal size block, like and yeah. it just it would just enrage him and he'd just like get it and throw it. Get away, not, don't pick this me this up. This is not what I asked for, I asked for a family block. It's like Shona, like going like, Where's the cauliflower and cheese? <laughs> Uh, Karen gets off the plane, all hairy. Adam like, takes one look, ah, oh, fuck off, and then just gets in the car and drives. <laughs> Chris shows up naked for Naomi. Oh, babe, you too. Oh, brilliant. Lance turns up and Jack's like, "Who's who are you? <laughs> who are you? Um, Sylvan speaks to his mum, Janine. Um, I like kind of, you know, oh, don't worry, I'm healthy. And I love her. his mum's reaction. He's basically like, are you? Like, it's kind of like... <laughs> But then it gets even better. Like, Sophie, who has a nanny for her children here, Nanny Robin. Now, I'm sorry, but does Robin just sound like she doesn't give a shit? Because Sophie's just like, oh, are the kids... No, they're fine. Oh, but are they... No, they're good. Are they missing me? No. (laughs) Can I just say, I think think Robin probably was asking for a pay rise or something. Because that's all... Clearly, that's all... She was thinking the phone call was to come... That Sophie was going to say, oh, I'm going to give you an extra yeah. dollar an hour or something. But uh, let's be it, Robin didn't care. And the Robin fact, gave when, no shits. 
This is a hint. I've never been a nanny, but I'm going to give a tip to any potential nannies out there that are listening to this podcast. If if the mother of the kids is away and they've been away for a couple of weeks and they ring you and ask you if the kids are missing you, even if they're not, always tell them, yes, yes, they're missing you dearly. Don't just say to them, no. And, and like, I feel so bad for Sophie here because clearly, like, it's not her choice that they're making the phone call at this time. It's not like Sophie said to Lincoln and the producers, like, oh, can we call at 4.30 so we know they're home? Like, clearly, this is a schedule. So she's asked, like, oh, are the kids there? And she's like, no, they're at kindy. And Sophie's just like, oh, you know, oh, of course. Like, I feel so bad for Sophie. And this is the, like, this is the most emotion we've seen from Sophie all season. I mean, Sophie hasn't had a lot to be shown this season, unfortunately. But he just, you can't help feel bad because she just breaks down. She breaks down at this point uh, to Jane. And, yeah, it's, it's really, it's. I just feel so bad that she hired such a terrible nanny. Again, Sophie, if you're listening, I'm sorry if Robin's like a family nanny who's still in the family and is helping you. I know your kids are probably grown up by now. You might have had more kids. I don't know. But if she's a dear, dear friend of your family, again, no disrespect, but Robin's kind of a bitch here. Like, I feel so bad for you. I've got a feeling when Sophie got home, she asked Robin to step into her office yes. and fired her. Yes, rightfully so. <laughs> her services were no longer wanted. I'd love to know where Robin is now, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, well, I mean, God, hopefully not working as a nanny anymore. I hope she's gotten a, you know, maybe she's working for Telstra and their customer service. Maybe she's working for a nanny for Ben Dark. Who knows? <laughs> maybe she's with Ben Dark. Maybe she's kidnapped Ben Dark and kept Ben in the dark because clearly she sounds like a bitch. So she's probably doing that. Who could have thought a phone call to a nanny could be so good? Like, I, I, you know what I know about nannies, Matt? I know Fran Drescher, right? And the nanny, right? That to me, yeah. and they're, they're funny. They've got a high link. Ah, Mr. Sheffield. Like, nannies generally seem to me great. Like, if they had made a sitcom on this woman, it would have just been like, oh, Mr. Sheffield, get fucked. The kids don't love you anymore. Ooh. Can I just say that voice of Fran there? That was a that was a great voice. <laughs> oh, Mr. That was a great Mr. impression. Mr. Matthew. Eh. Uh, apparently, I've had a lot of practice. Um, who who would have ever thought it would have only taken to our thirteenth episode to bring up the nanny with Fran Drescher? Um, you know, I thought it would have taken sooner, but anyway. Um, but great, it's great reward. Like I, I love kind of seeing this too, and it basically leads us straight into the immunity challenge because we straight to challenge mail. Sylvan's working out if it's a pencil or something like that. Sylvan and Naomi get theirs, and Jane and Katie read uh, the challenge uh, going into this one. Now, do you have this one written down, Matthew? I don't, but I'm hoping you do. I don't. Uh, I wrote oh. all of Shona's lines. That was my one role for this episode, and and impersonating Fran Drescher. So. <laughs> And calling out family members of our favourite cast members on this show, basically calling them dicks. I'm sorry, listeners, but I was too busy trying to track down Robin the nanny. Yeah, Yeah, just Google Robin the nanny. I'm sure that will bring up something. I I seriously hope she's not working as a nanny still. I mean, like, seriously, she just sounds like a horrible nanny. And again, Sophie, apologies if she's, like, your best friend in the world and you're listening to us going, well, I'm never doing Australian Cyber Archives interview now. You're calling my beloved Robin friend a bitch well I, I i can't help it she was horrible to you on the phone she really really was maybe robin and and uh what was um karen's adam. partner's name adam adam maybe they ended up hooking up maybe they, they seemed like you know I'm, I'm sure robin shaves and that's clearly what adam likes <laughs> oh too good how 
Do you see what I'm saying there, Ben? How good was it the fact that Kadena did end up losing this reward because all because of a missing bolt, and then that uh, Tapara ended up winning in a lap? We wouldn't have got any of this. Like it would have been all different. So in the end, the Survivor Gods it all worked out, and we got a great little segment there. Going into this immunity challenge, one thing I actually just want to backtrack quickly to the reward challenge that I didn't bring up. Lincoln's commentary. Now, we've mentioned some loose commentary before, but Lincoln was on point with some commentary in that reward challenge, and we get some more of it in the immunity challenge here. I think that's an important thing to raise, because even in US Survivor, we did not have commentary until Thailand, which aired just after season one of Australian Survivor. So again, and we're going to talk a lot about this sort of towards the latter half of this season with some things that were a little bit ahead of their time with this season, that this is, I think this really works too, having Lincoln commentate during that challenge. It's not as extensive as JLP or Propes or anything like that, but there's definitely a level of commentary there that we had never seen in Survivor at that point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said at the start of the show, Lincoln actually has a, a really good episode. I really like Lincoln and and what he's doing as a host in this episode, and and can't wait to talk about about what he does at um, Tribal Council because of course it's different to now. Obviously, JLP lot talks a lot more. There's a lot more he can do, but I think yeah, definitely got to give credit to Lincoln, especially in this episode. And we all know that he he only gets better as well. There's some great episodes with Lincoln Lincoln's involvement in the coming uh, coming episodes. So it's always good to hear him do some uh, do some commentary along the way. He does a little bit more than our good old JLP, who uh, I swear has to drop the term. They're really digging deep at least twelve times per challenge. Just count them seriously. Count them. It's like a drinking game. It's it's. 12 times minimum every single challenge. The immunity challenge, again, another great immunity challenge. I love, I've mentioned it before, the cinematography in this episode, the shot of all the castaways standing on that cliff just overlooking the challenge and there's kind of like a quick cut edit between it. That looks fucking fantastic and that is such a great use of this location that clearly the majority of people we get on the show complain about the location living there, but visually we're starting to see some really good things here that I don't know if has ever really been mentioned a lot when people talk about this season. I'm glad you brought that up because I've, I've actually got it right here in my notes in front of me saying that 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 shot of them on the cliffs, you kind of see uh, you see the tribe of seven, so Tapara, and it's almost like because it's so far away on the cliffs, it's almost, it's almost like they're silhouettes. And then you've got the tribe of four, which is obviously Kadena, and fantastic shot. Shows the cliffs of Whaler's Way, and you're right, it doesn't get the credit it deserves. Now, this challenge... Two people will battle it, so basically one person per tribe, and they're attached to a bungee cord, and they've essentially got to run up the sand and grab, is it, uh, how many pegs do they have to grab here? Like five, six, is it? Yeah, there's, there's five pegs each, and then there's the, the, the middle peg, which is like the last peg. So if it was a real close, and, and they'd be fighting over that last peg. Now, I don't know about you growing up. Uh, I remember it used to feel like on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, you would have the Uncle Toby's Iron Man series. It would be shown in the summer. And it was something that I weirdly loved watching. And there was always that one where you had, like, men or women would sprint down the sand and they would have to jump and grab a peg, basically. And, you know, they would get a point. And, like, Guy Leach, we'll talk about him next season, of course. And I remember growing up watching him in that. But I, I was addicted to them as a child. This reminds me so much of, of one of those events at the, at the Iron Man challenges. You prick, Ben. You beat me to the whole Guy Leach. I was going to say, how good you was it? You look so angry then. I'm like, what? 
<laughs> I was trying to get it out, and then you beat me to it. I was like, you prick. But yeah, how good would it have been to see Guy Leach do this challenge? Yeah. We obviously know that he was on Celebrity Survivor a few years later, but if he was at Whaler's Way, I mean, that would have been gold to see Guy Leach take part in that challenge. And I love this challenge, mind you. I will say, before we talk a bit more about this challenge, one thing I'll say about this challenge, I love it. Changes I would make, one, I think either it should be used in an individual immunity challenge where everyone has to do it, or if they're going to do it as a as a team challenge, um, I, I just don't like a team challenge where only one person has to take part because no one had... And another thing, we no one had to sit out this challenge, so they could have picked everyone. Look, we already know that in the, in the reward challenge, there was Lance, Katie, and Shona had to sit out, but comes to this challenge... You know, there's no one. They can just pick one person from their tribe, and I just don't know about in a tribe challenge for immunity that only one from each tribe. As Lincoln said, you've got to pick a representative from your tribe. But I just, what's your thoughts on it? I just don't like when only one person has to has can win it for an entire tribe. I definitely agree with you. This would have worked better as an individual challenge. But the one thing I will say is I like the fact that you can sort of have one person, it all comes down to them. But I think the failure for this challenge, and maybe this all comes down to the time period of Survivor and the editing and kind of not knowing the product they've got, is you need to emphasize more that it all comes down to one person and it's all the weight is all on their shoulders. Like, I feel like if this was Channel 10, we would know the dramatic music and the, the stakes that would be labelled on one person. We'd be cutting to a confessional of, of Joel going like, oh, I felt really felt the pressure here because it all came down to me. And you would cut to, to Sylvan going like, you know, this is it. You know, this is going to be make or break heading into the merge, whether we've got four members or three members. Like, there needs to be more dramatic aspect put to it. And I'm not one to talk up that overly dramatic part. I often complain about that. But this is definitely a challenge where you need to emphasise the pressure put on Joel and Sylvan's shoulders here because you're right. Like it's kind of, it's more of an individual challenge that would suit better. But if you're going to do this, make it more dramatic. And on, on your point though, too, that's a good point you raised with like sort of people sitting out the last challenge and then you've got this aspect, maybe force Tapara to have to choose from one of those three that set out before. Because but then again, the argument would be, well, then that makes them fresher. So maybe that makes a bit more unfair advantage. But, this is a challenge where I feel straight away someone's going to choose a stronger male. And that's not taking away from stronger females at all. I think this is just clearly one. It's like you see in modern Survivor when you've got, you know, the three people chasing after a ring and they've got to, you know, you, you never put the women against the men, do you? It's always women versus women, the men versus men. So as soon as one of these tribes puts up a man, the other one's going to put up a man. If they had to put up Katie straight away, I'm sure they would have put up probably maybe, a, a you know, Naomi to go up against them. I would just like to see this, ideally, in a individual immunity challenge when we're down to maybe around that final five, final four. Um, because we know now, you know, a lot of social players get to the end. So if you've got... And I'm all about making it fair between challenges. I don't think everything should be strength. But I just think this challenge, it, it, it would be good around that final five, final four... If you know, possibly if there's a someone that's a bit more athletic and, and a bit more strength, it might help them out a little bit. Um, but I still think anyone could win it. So I, I just I, I, I that's where I would like to see it. Individual challenge down to the final five, final four. And also where this would work in an individual aspect is 
I'm not a fan of every single challenge having to be stamina and stand there and hold something and do that. I'm sick of it. I'm 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 so fucking sick of it. I'm just going to wear, not that I don't know already, but I, I am so fed up with it. This would be something unique and something different. And this is, again, what I'm loving about rewatching this is watching these challenges because it's all well and good to bring up the argument of, well, Ben, they're all fresh and new because this was the first season. But let's be honest here. The challenges that we're seeing, we've never seen again in any version of the show. One thing that Australian Survivor, I will say, in the modern format has going for it are their challenges because they do often have very unique challenges that we don't see in the US version. And the US version, we haven't had good challenges in 15 seasons. It's It's been a long time. I really don't care about the challenges for the most part in US Survivor anymore. Whereas when they're unique like this, I care about them. Australian Survivor today, I care about the challenges because for the most part, they're unique. And this is one of those challenges that we have never seen again. And this would be fantastic in any modern version of Survivor. It works. It's simple. It's so simple that it just works. And it's so much fun to watch. Talking about unique, it's a unique way to pick who's going to yeah. be the representative <laughs> from your tribe. Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. I mentioned it at the start of the show, talking about scissors, paper, rock. And I'm just going to say this. What were they thinking? How, For one, how is Craig not their representative? How is Craig not the one doing this challenge? Clearly the best athlete on their tribe. And secondly, he wins the, the rock, paper, scissors because he goes rock. Sylvan goes scissors. We, As we know, rock, rock beats scissors. He then thinks he is going to be going. And then and then uh, we hear Karen and um, Naomi say, oh, but isn't doesn't that mean then Sylvan goes? And, and Craig's like, oh, oh, okay. And then Sylvan's like, oh. And then they're like, are you happy, Syl- uh, Craig? And he's like, yeah. And then Sylvan does it. Like, what what, what the hell? I This is where I was going back to my point at the beginning of this episode where I think it's kind of some subtle, nice, sneaky gameplay here from Craig because I think Craig realizes it as it, at this point. Like, I don't think Craig wanted to do this in the slightest. And I think you're right. On paper, Craig should have done this. We did hear a bit from Deb last week kind of explaining why Sylvan was up, though, because I think Sylvan had a lot more of a physical strength that was ever shown in this season. So I think that's what we're missing here. But having said that, Craig still, to me at least, and to you and to most people, on paper should have been the one to choose here. So I think what Craig has done here is that Craig knows this. So Craig goes, oh, let's rock, paper, scissor it to kind of, you know, okay, well, there's a 50-50 chance here that I might not get it. Then when he wins... He sneakily is like, oh, but I thought, like, that means that, you know, the loser has to go. Like, I think that's just clever, clever from Craig because he doesn't want that pressure on his shoulder. He doesn't want to think that if they lose, he automatically gets a target. Because let's be honest, let's look at how the vote goes when Craig's going to say, like, oh, I was going to vote for Sylvan, but he put in a lot of effort today, so I don't want to vote for him anymore. It could have easily gone the other way. So to me, this is really subtle, great gameplay from Craig, which again is that slow build, which is leading up into the post-merge here. And I, that, that's my viewpoint on it. That's how I think that Craig got out of doing this. But he should never have been given the choice. Naomi, Karen, Sylvan, they should have said, Craig, you, you're clearly Do you think Craig would have bought athlete. that, though? Because Craig's essentially the leader, and Craig basically would have just basically been like, no. Well... Three against one, he gets outvoted. He's he's got to do it because, and I'm not doubting that that Sylvan was a decent athlete. I'm I'm not doubting the fact that we, like Deb said, that we didn't quite get to see in the edit exactly how how physically 
physical he was. We know that they've sort of shown more of him of someone that wants to quit or is tired around camp all the time and all that. But as Deb said, yes, he was actually a, a physical member of that tribe and someone that was seen to be very physical. But no one can sit here and, and convince me otherwise that, that he was going to ever be better than Craig. And Craig should... The, the other three should have said, Craig, you're doing it. We're, we're, we're down to four members. We have to win this if we're any chance to any of us to get to the end and just done it. And it's disappointing that in the end, you know, he didn't. Sylvan went and we know what happens. Joel beats Sylvan. I guess to contradict my point that I just made, winning this challenge would obviously be better for Craig long term because then if they go in with six versus four rather than seven versus three, he only has to sway one person over to fourth tie, doesn't he? So... I basically just retconned my own point there. <laughs> but having said that, I still believe there is some of that Craig that he's kind of subtly gotten out of doing it. I've got no doubt that Craig is thinking about the game more than any other Kadena member. I mean, that's obvious. Craig, Craig's a good player. And, and like we've discussed multiple times, he would be good on today's Survivor. He, he was thinking about the game back then. No doubt if he got to play a game, he'd be thinking about it again. He knows what needs to be done, but I, I'm sorry, this it just... Whichever way I look at it, doesn't make sense. That they're they're already down to four. They have to win this challenge if they're any chance. And Craig was their best chance, and they blew it. This challenge looks fantastic on camera too. I love the way they have them coming on both sides. You've got the the pe- pegs in the middle, essentially. You've got the pole. Just the way it's shot, the strain that you see on both Sylvan and Joel here is fantastic. The chanting from the tribes, the music, everything about this challenge is fantastic. I might even say this might be the best challenge of the seasons up to this point. It's so good, and like I love the little shots you've got of like Joel putting the pegs in and really like pumping himself up. Sylvan, and then just the chanting from the other tribes, as I mentioned, like you've got Tapara basically like going seven three seven three, and then there's uh, basically like go Joel, 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 and then just the the pure emotion at the end of this challenge, seeing Joel celebrating, and just Sylvan collapse, just so devastated on the sand, like. This this challenge is epic, and I'm just going to say this one more time. Bring this back. Like, Channel 10, if you're going to ignore Channel 9's version, fine, but, like, just watch a tape of this challenge, and you tell me, like, how epic would this be in modern Australian Survivor to see this challenge? They would be absolutely laughing at how great this would look on camera. Yeah, it's one that has to be brought back. I... Uh in some sort of capacity it's brewing and they were they were worn out by the end of it i mean they were they were done they were gassed uh so yeah credit to joel low he um and are you surprised that joel got chosen for tapari you thinking why wasn't it rob yeah but i i yeah i can see that but i also think maybe joel's maybe on the same page as sylvan here that maybe we just haven't necessarily seen his strength as much and like no disrespect to rob like what rob's a good 10 15 years older than than joel here so maybe they're thinking because it's more of a a stamina based thing and rob sort of as an australian footballer gets a chance to go off the field come back on again whereas this is more pure like you've got to keep going so i i would have almost gone out and limb here and say katie might have been better at this than rob even well now i think about it um joel was actually a personal trainer at when he went into the show wasn't he I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I, b- I believe that's what he was marketed as, a personal trainer. So, yeah, you, you might be right. It might just be the fact that we never got to see him real physical, but, well, he was the right man for the job in the end because he, he got the job done and, and won it for his tribe. Now, everything kind of 
pre-tribal, I think this is also, a lot of it is kind of set up, I feel, more so. Um, because, again, whenever Kadena loses, which is basically every single episode except for one, um, there's never a whole lot of strategy. It's, it's kind of, we've, we've analysed this with Kadena, it's kind of not really their their way, their, the way they do things. We know Naomi's complaining about going back to the bloody ship again. Uh, we even get Craig complaining about the bloody ship. Like they, we hear the words "bloody ship" come from Craig's mouth, but Naomi has about three moments here talking about oh, I'm going back to the ship. Um, we, <laughs> we get a fantastic confessional from Kara, and we posted it during the week, where she's basically just talking about like, look, you know, we've struggled. Um, Tapara's had a free ride, especially Jane. Everyone hates Jane. <laughs> she's basically like. I'm sure she's a nice person. She can change our mind when we get to the merge. But right now, now everyone hates. Her. I think this is fantastic because I just, I just love the fact that out of nowhere, it just these massive bombshells dropped. Everyone hates Jane. <laughs> I can understand what Karen's saying, though. She doesn't. Uh, uh, I'm, ass- I'm assuming that, like, she doesn't hate Jane as a person. She hates it that she's got such an easy ride. They, they know she was struggling. They know if it was the other way around, and it was. Tapara going to tribal council that as many times as 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 Kadena did that Jane probably and I'm, I could be wrong but Jane probably wouldn't have lasted that long. Um, it, it it can get annoying. Like I've said this to you, Ben, so many times. Survivor, it, it's not a fair game. Like it's it, and that's no one's fault. It's just the way the game works. It, some people get an easy run. Some people who could be a great player get a terrible run or a terrible luck. It all depends on what tribe they're on at the start, what bad luck goes their way. There's so many things. You know, I've said it to you before. Shane Gould on my season, she won. She went to tribal council three times in thirty in the first 32 days. You know, that's a great run. Not everyone gets that. My tribe didn't get that. A lot of people went that were good players. Um, so for Jane, that's... Her luck, her luck is that she was in a great tribe and she got to 30 days plus without really having to do anything. And I could I could imagine Karen and the rest of Kadena's frustration in seeing a player do you know do have that luxury to play devil's advocate on that. And it's not that I don't disagree with you in any point. I think you're 100 percent correct. But the devil's advocate side of there on the flip side is that part of Survivor to keep yourself safe is winning challenges and. Tapara have done that. Tapara have played the game in that aspect. Outplay, if you want to consider that part as a challenge, they've done that correctly. So therefore, they've avoided that by being better in challenges. And at the end of the day, that's what sometimes it takes in order to keep yourself safe. Yeah, that's right. But you don't get to choose what tribe you're on at the start of the game. That's luck. True. Yeah, absolutely. You know? As I said, like, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I'm just, I'm just making the point that you know, challenges are part of the game. And you're right, you don't get to choose unless you're on, what, Thailand. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you that, you still can have that aspect. You look at Mike Holloway, you know, like he basically won himself right to the end with immunity run, and anyone can do it at any given point if you're good enough, and you can, you can achieve that. Craig very much wanted to do that, and we're going to see that in a couple of weeks, kind of how close he goes to, but ultimately he couldn't do it as much as he would. But hypothetically, had Craig won every single immunity, he would have been at the final tribal, and I'm not going to take that away from him because he did exactly what he needed to do the best of his ability. It's the outplay version of this game isn't it it's yeah. you're right if the challenges didn't mean anything you wouldn't have them you, you it's you'd just get rid of them and, and just put everyone on an island and let them run around socially and work out who's going to go the whole point of the challenges 
is one, to, yeah, who's got the strongest tribe? And if you've got the strongest tribe and win, well, then you don't have to go to tribal. So you, you're right. Um, but there's still luck involved in, in whose tribe you're on. No, then there's, and, like, to me, if, if you have to ask the one factor that it takes to win Survivor, I would answer luck because without luck, you're not going to win the game. Oh, well, 100%. And if I'm glad to have a debate with anyone that thinks that um, luck doesn't have a major thing to do with it because, um, you know, Ben, you, you've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of great survivors and some that haven't, uh, you know, lasted a real long time. And, and I can guarantee you a bunch of those players would have been great players and they just unluckily didn't get to um, get that chance. The amazing what-if scenario that we used to talk back in the day on Survivor was that people used to get annoyed about us. Um, Got to mention a great little confessional here from our man Sylvan, though, uh, when he's talking about the vote. And uh, what does he say? The boat's a boat. What will be will be. I'm leaving it till then. Then you'll see. And I love the little look he gives to the camera, kind of almost like a ba-boom-boom. And he kind of like points the camera. He's like, hey! <laughs> Don't forget, he clicks his fingers as well. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Like, it's... Fi- so he clicked his fingers, gives a little smirk. I love it. I just that's what makes it for me. Like it's kind of just that little smirk. Like Sylvan three weeks ago would have just been like, but will be, you know, he'd be complaining. Here he's just he's. I, this is maybe what I really actually like about Sylvan this episode is he's so much more self aware that I think deep down he probably knows he's going home here because he kind of talks it up a little bit, kind of like, oh maybe I'm not, maybe I will. But I think really here now he. He pretty much knows. I mean, we get a, sort of a, a bit of a red herring from Craig where Craig's kind of like, oh, I was going to vote for Sylvan, but I'm not anymore. Clearly, he ends up doing it anyway. But um, it's it's kind of... I just I just like that. Friendship. Maybe we needed this more from Sylvan out this season that he's, he's, he's actually happy that he's going home, clearly. <laughs> and, and we're actually lucky that Sylvan's lasted to the point he has because obviously we know Merge is next episode. So without his character and all the confessionals and all the things, it could have got a little bit boring, but he has kind of kept it fun and interesting and you can have a bit of a laugh about some of the things that are happening to him. So, yeah, you've got to give credit to Sylvan. In the end, um, you know, he, he was edited to show that he was struggling, but still a great character. Just while we're with Kadena, I may as well, there's only really... The only bit really we see here from Kadena before Tribal, and then we'll just sort of backtrack and do a little bit of Tapara here because there's really not a whole lot to talk about. But I do love Craig's final confessional before we get into Tribal, where essentially he's like, I'm going to win every immunity, shove it to him, get stuffed, you know, let's see if it can be done. Again, just classic Craig, great undertones of Craig. He just continuing to build up. And again, as I said earlier, it's really almost going to be the Craig show for the next three weeks from this point on. And just. I love it. I, I And I also love that line when he's basically like, so many of these people are just satisfied to make the merge. Like, I'm not done yet. I'm going to basically do here. And all the respect to Craig. You said it before. We've said it plenty of times. Again, a player ahead of his time, and he would be great on Modern Survivor because Craig is just, he's, he's building himself up to something good here. I can see why our good listener, Matt Carr, um, loves Craig because... That was a great little line, Craig. So he, he, Craig knows. He, he, he was in the wrong trouble. Talking about luck and wrong tribes i mean he knows that um tapara they don't just lay down and die but unfortunately kadena do or members of his tribe do so he's fully aware of that um karen makes a good little line about confessional line about um about kadena dying a slow death she knows it's over um there's a couple of good ones by lance as well he talks about the the merge and kadena going in with only three members but he does he's still aware that you know, they could come in and start trying to mix things up a bit and try to get some numbers on their side. So 
as much as we're not seeing much gameplay from Lance and we haven't seen it all season, he is still aware of the mergers coming and they could mix it up, which I really like of Lance. Just quickly before we get to that, uh, the one little thing I really wanted to add actually here at Kadena, which I just a funny little moment from Sylvan, is when they're playing football and we see Sylvan doesn't know how to play football. Just, just <laughs> I love his little attempt at a handball. Funny, funny middle moment. But no, you're right. Like, Tapara, like, it is very interesting. Like, to me, Lance is very much like a Sean Kenneth from Borneo, where it's kind of, he's there, he's involved, but clearly he's not part of the plans and he's very much unaware. He doesn't quite do the alphabet strategy. But yeah, you're right. Like, Lance is kind of, you know, sussing things out. But I think we have that really important scene here where they're in that cave. And they're all essentially, you know, going that we've kicked their ass. They're basically saying we've kicked their ass. Uh, and now it's going to be interesting to see how it moves on. Uh, what, does he, what does Rob say? That, like, we're the stronger tribe. They may be sexier and younger, but they clearly dumped the wrong members earlier on. Uh, which, again, like, Rob just, he's, he's, the king of, he's the king of sass, Rob. Like, I don't think we've really kind of, you know, done this a lot. And we're going to get so much more. Because there's really been not a lot in the last few weeks for Rob to do. That We got a lot of great stuff in the first few episodes. Kind of here he is just kind of every now and then dropping something. But we're clearly more and more the game goes on, the more we're going to get of Rob. But, um, yeah, just, just this nice little subtle scene, as I said. This is more of a setup episode into next week. It's almost the prequel for where things are really starting to get good. Uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of like that little moment. And two little points I'll make here before I let you say something before we get into tribal. I love Katie swimming. Just a random little shot of Katie swimming. And Lance, mate, you pull off a good budgie smuggler when you're sunbaking on the rock. Good job. <laughs> hey, it's good that they're, they're not, you know, they're showing guys they as well. And Equal opportunity pervs, Channel 9 were in 2002. I like it. <laughs> I like Sylvan's little um, confessional too about how he talks about the tribes being that they're the closest of any tribe. Like, you know, everyone's getting along. They're the closest, but they're also um, have the worst performance of any tribe ever seen and how they've lost five of the six immunities. And he, he asked the question, what's with that? Like he just, he knows he's probably on the chopping block and he's just, he's annoyed. Like they, he knows they've got a close tribe, but they just can't get their shit together. They keep losing. And I, I think he's pretty aware that Kadena can probably go down in history, even at that stage as one of the worst tribes ever seen. And, He's probably not wrong. Like that, you look at. I'm all about stats, and you look at the stats, and stats don't lie. Stats say that Kadena were pretty bad. Again, we we need to look at it, the historical context of where we were in Survivor, not including Africa that was airing basically while this was filming. Australia and Borneo at that point each merge had gone in uh, even Stevens hadn't they they'd gone in 5-5 Targi and Pagong 5-5 heading into the merge and Ogakor and Kucha 5-5 heading into the merge in Australian Outback so this was unprecedented at the time that you would have a 7-3 split and it was always the risk clearly of this format of Survivor hence why they did bring in tribe swaps hence why they did bring in all these ultimate changes because this way of Survivor would have not lasted as long as Survivor has today, clearly. But again, it is it is a, a big groundbreaking moment for any season of Survivor to have such a split because we'd never seen it before in 2002. Was it uh, not until, was it Guatemala that we see a tribe get absolutely decimated? Uh, oh, well, I mean, Palau, clearly, with, with Ulan. Palau, that's right, um, Palau. I, yeah, I mean, technically you could say All-Stars because you had three tribes, um, kind of, and one tribe obviously went completely under that way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you if you count All-Stars in that format. But, yeah, you would say on a two-tribe season, Palau would be. And clearly I think the producers kept that going. Like, I'm sure they would have put a tribe swap in if that was today, but I think they had a bit of fun with that. I'm thinking they're like, they're going, oh, Oolong, Oolong sucks. Wouldn't this be fun? 
if they kept losing. Let's see if they keep losing. <laughs> the thing I'll say about Kadena, though, yes, they're one of the worst tribes of all time, but there's, there's something about them. Like, I, I, I love that tribe. I don't know about you, Ben, but I just, I know oh, they absolutely. suck. I know they lost. I just, I love them. I think, no, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, it, it does bring a level of entertainment. And again, it's, it is one of these things that sadly this season gets pointed with a, you know, a negative brush because people are like, oh, one tribe sucked, the other just pagonged them. And then it was boring until like the, the third last episode. That's everyone's argument. But this is where I hope that we're trying to sell this, that, there is a lot to see here. And again, I'm a traditionalist of Survivor. I don't mind a begonging. I'm I'm that's not a popular opinion at all. That's a very unpopular opinion. But I don't mind a pagonging because I think it kind of brings something unique about it. It's been so long since we've had one that it just brings a unique element to it. It's it's that struggle for these remaining members to, to see. I think about Australian Outback and a lot of people complain about the final few episodes being boring. I I love that fight of Elizabeth in the second last episode where here she is, the one remaining original Kucha member up against three Ogre Corps, not a chance in hell. But she's plucky, she's fighting, she's doing everything she can to do that. You know, even the likes of like a Jenna Lewis and a Colleen, who, I mean, Jenna didn't really shine until All-Stars, but there's still a little bit of fight in them and they have a bit of fun with it. And this is what I think we're going to appreciate about Craig coming up. It's like kind of like it brings some tension. We get some great sound bites from him. Katie getting a bit aggro of kind of like what he's doing. And okay, by modern standards, this isn't great viewing. But again, I'm a traditionalist. I love seeing it. It's more about the characters to me. And I think that this is what we've lost in Modern Survivor. I think it's all about the blind sides and the strategies and the so-called resumes, which is fine. But there's more to Survivor than game. We talked about that with the challenges. There's also this whole social aspect of the game, which I think, to me, if I'm going to say luck plays a huge part of it, the main part, I'm going to say, if I'm working out percentages of what it takes to win Survivor, to me, I'm going to say social is more important than strategy. Oh, of course. I mean, social, if you're getting along with people and people can relate to you, you're going to go a lot further in in the game of Survivor. Um, 100%. Yeah, that's why social players, in my mind, are a big threat because um, they have that ability to just stick around. And, and social is a strategy. End. Being social is, is a strategy. And yet people think that strategy means idols and blindsides and split votes. No, social is part of a strategic game. Well, it's the outwit component, isn't it? If, you, if exactly. you're able to get along with people talk to people and even maybe people that you don't normally get along with, but you have that ability to be social with them and make them feel like you're their best friend. Absolutely. That's just great gameplay. You've got to get the votes at the end. You've got to have people like you at the end. And again, my argument right now at, at this point in time, name me one Australian survivor winner who, who blindsided people and had idols and did all these amazing things that people get all excited for. You know, they've had different versions of winning the game, but if you were to rank our five Australia, uh, sorry, our six Australian Survivor winners on strategy that is perceived in modern Survivor, you're going to come to a hard conclusion there that really none of them have that, do they? So, you know, it's, yeah. Again, that's a timestamp right now. All-Stars to date, this is airing right now. Who knows who's going to win this season and how it's going to play out. We could have our very first one who's going to live up to this really modern stereotype of gameplay. But as of right now, 
we haven't had a winner like that. Even in the US one, it's been a very long time since we've had one of those types of players. So anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Tribal Council, sassy Dick Sylvan's back. Uh, basically, there's only four of you. About to be three. Tapara has decimated you in every single way. Like, kick them while they're down, Lincoln. It's all good. This is the last time we're ever having a tribal tribal council uh, with a tribe uh, rather than a merged tribe. So fuck it. Let's go to town. You guys suck. Basically, this is let's let's read the context here. What Lincoln's saying: You guys are shit. You deserve to be decimated, and you are about to get your ass handed to you at the merge. What do you have to say about that, Craig? <laughs> I love Lincoln in this tribal. It, it, you know what? He's he they Kadena deserve everything that you know they get told because Lincoln's spot on. He, I love the how he he tells them too that they've been decimated, and they have. Let's be honest. It's, Lincoln is sick of seeing their mugs. You know, he know he knows that this tribe is terrible. I'm as sick of seeing you as Karen's boyfriend is of seeing hair on her body. <laughs> he asked Karen about, you know, if they have any regret about them um, voting out, you know, the the, the early boots like, a, you know, I guess like a Tim and and um, and uh, David Haas stuff like that. So, you know. And it's funny because Karen actually says, well, you can't look in the past, but I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were thinking about, oh, geez, you know, we, we made some bad decisions along the way. It's a very political answer from Karen there, isn't it? Very much a bit of a spin answer. You know, oh, we can't look in the past. We have to look into them. Fair enough. But um, I also love, yeah, Lincoln's on fire here. And again, if Lincoln wasn't such a nice guy, I feel like he would be basically swearing and going, you guys suck, you're fucking ugly. I don't want to see you anymore. Um only kidding, Lincoln. They're not ugly, let's be honest. They're very attractive people you're looking at. But I do like, you know, he's basically flat out asked, like, why the hell did you guys choose rock, paper, scissors? Uh, oh, you lost the bolt. You just gave up, didn't you? Like, it's kind of... He's on fire. Like, as much as, as I said, Lincoln is a super nice guy, but this is dickery Lincoln is back because he's so good at being a bit of a dick, but being so goddamn nice that you just want to call Telstra and eat Lays and drink solo. <laughs> Yeah, no, Lincoln is fantastic, and um, you're right. He is damn nice, isn't he? Like, I would so love nice. To, <laughs> I would love to see him come back on to be able to host a season where they say Lincoln, like, just go for it, like, just forget the niceties. If there's a shit tribe, just tell them what you really think. I reckon it'd be brilliant. But he's already brilliant. We already love Lincoln. But uh, we also see Sylvan. He talks about Craig and him taking a lot of the burden, the physical challenges in Kadena. And that's why you know they do the scissors paper rock, but I'm still I'm still dirty that Craig didn't do that um, do that challenge. I think Lincoln is too. That's why he's asking him about it. Not much really else to add here. We get to the vote. It's a three one vote. Sylvan goes home, but I, I do love the little bits here when they're voting out. Karen, what does he say? Like, oh, this is killing me. But then Sylvan voting for you, Naomi, simply because I haven't before. No reason. <laughs> Maybe he's a Sean Kenneth just doing an album just because, you know, I'm up to N. May as well. Um, poor old Sylvan is out of the game. Uh, a man before his time. We'll, we'll eulogise Sylvan in just a moment. But, of course, we get Lincoln straight away. Kadena, you will now cease to exist and you'll have to fend for yourselves now. <laughs> um, and then that leads us into a bit of a preview for next week. We've got the shower episode next week. Oh, I forgot about that. That's an exciting one. And, yeah, merge episode. It's going to be fun. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. But uh, And the final words from Sylvan. I like what he says when he says, a person who wins will really deserve the money. And he essentially here is like, I won the car. Got to learn to drive now. So 
Silverman's a happy man. Uh, he actually the happiest he's been all season is when he's been voted out. But um, yeah, I guess Silvan, a man, a man that we've loved in our uh, six episode recap so far. He's been talked a lot. Uh, we found out he potentially dealt drugs out there. He had a fantasy world. He just just didn't know what he was doing half the time. Um, a character ahead of his time. I don't want to say a player ahead of his time. <laughs> But a character ahead of his time, Mr. Sylvan Dormy. And as Karen said, it's it's the slow death, but it's also the slow death of the famous five. We we saw Deb go last week. We now see Sylvan, and uh, as the weeks go on, it just the the death just gets slower and slower, doesn't it? Um, until it, till they're all gone, and we 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 get to see Craig fight a little bit. But um, yeah, now Sylvan, he was a he was a great character. Um, you know, I've always said. Was he cut out for Survivor? I don't know, but good casting in the end. I think he he um, produced some good funny moments, and we'll never forget the old Sylvan Fantasy World. I tell you what, I now eat you know I now eat cereal for lunch. <laughs> and I, I, I look. I have to say that like you know I've never Sylvan's been one of these ones that again you always remember Sylvan from this season, but maybe. Like you just remember him as a guy with a car and kind of that complained a lot. That that was my memories of Sylvan. But having rewatched this enough in the last sort of few months, I, I with everyone in this season, I've grown a much more deeper respect for him as a character. And I I will say I don't know if Sylvan was cut out for this game. Um, but again, you don't always necessarily have to have everyone cut out for the game. That's what makes great television. Think about Sari the very first time she played. She was scared of leaves. And she's gone on to basically be this, you know, the greatest player never to have won the American version. I'm not saying Sylvan's going to come back on a modern-day Survivor and be Saree. It'd be fantastic. But you need these characters. You need these people who are just so out of their depth, who are going to complain, who are going to fucking not know how to drive and win a car, talk about their fantasy world. Like, just Sylvan is such a unique character. And think about some of the modern versions of, of Survivor where... You can't even name half the people on the season. You're going to remember Sylvan, love him or hate him, and just such a unique character. And I, I for one, have had a blast talking about him over his his episodes. I, I said it to you, I think, when we started doing this recap, that we're going to have a lot of fun when it comes to pointing out Sylvan's moments. And we have had a blast. And while this isn't quite on the sad levels of David leaving, I'm still very sad that we're losing Sylvan. He's definitely been a highlight of the season so far, and uh, it's definitely been a pleasure just sort of reliving his his time on the show and um, all his funny moments. And I, yeah, I, I can't thinking back, especially in a modern day Survivor. There's this. I don't think there's been another Sylvan like some of the characters we get. We can we can see what player in the previous season that they've taken their spot where. I don't think we'll ever be able to say that with Sylvan, that someone's taken his his spot or character. I think he would be very popular in social media period of Survivor. I think he would be somebody that a lot of fans would jump on board and really appreciate him. Um, Luke Dennehy's Herald Sun article, the five-minute form guy that we're bringing up every single week, he said that the pros for Sylvan is that he worked in a number of different jobs, so has dealt with people from all walks of life. The cons may not have the mental toughness he got a 3 out of 5 ranking, which put him on the same level as Tim, as Sophie, as Lance, and that was it. So, there you go. And just looking quickly at the uh, official guide, 
Um, here he has a pet, at least at that time, a cat named Cersei. That's cute. Uh, his luxury item was a pack of cards. He His phobia are mozzies and blue bottles. There you go. Um, I love here his occupation. Writer, brush hand, book sales, whichever is going. His <laughs> favorite sports team, the Manly Sea Eagles. There's one for you. He um, really dating some of uh, this book that his favorite TV show, Malcolm in the Middle. Great show. I uh, wish that would uh, come back again. That was fantastic. Favorite actress, Estella Warren. Do you remember her? I think the blank look I'm giving you right now might answer that question. She was in uh, that um, Tim Burton Planet of the Apes remake in like 2001. She was also in that movie Driven. I, I don't know what has happened to her since. Um, and let's see what else we got. Anything interesting in his answers here? Um, describe any really embarrassing moments that have happened to you. Just the Australian Survivor entry video. To be noticed, I thought I should get cocky, so I describe myself as a legend. Not very humble, that. I'm sure you guys will haunt me with that one. Trust me, Sylvan, you'll be haunted with that when you come on this show in a couple of weeks. So, uh, (laughs) there you go. Um, yeah, interesting. An interesting man. An interesting man, Sylvan. Like, I can't wait to, um, you know, hopefully we get the opportunity to interview him, get him on and just ask some some of the more questions about his time on the show and what he's been up to, you know, in the 18 years since. And another thing I can't wait for is finally we get, we're going to get to see the Merge Tribe, of course, Aurora. Hope you're getting pumped for that, Ben. We know about all the buffs we've got uh, coming up to um, give credit to the, the one tribe that never had buffs. Well, yeah, that definitely leads us into next week because we're into the merge episode and this is where things really get spicy. And you're right, we've got the merge buff uh, that we've got available. We're going to announce more of that in the coming weeks as well. Sort of some exciting things about that. But it's a a solid merge episode. I think kind of, again, we we really... I don't know if we have any bad episodes moving forward because I think what what is really exciting... Not that we've had any bad episodes either. I may as well just point that out quickly here. But what's really interesting and exciting about the remaining episodes because we're crossing the halfway point of course next week is that clearly the first three episodes are all about bye bye Kadena you're completely gone but as I said it's kind of the Craig show Craig's stirring the pot a little bit so there's going to be a bit of excitement around that and then once we get rid of the original Kadena members and we kind of get down to the seven Tapara members and then that's when things all of a sudden get really really juicy we get the Lance vote out of the way and then kind of things really start to hit the fan so We've we've got some great stuff to cover in the in the coming weeks, and I'm definitely very excited for the merge because I've been having a blast covering this tribal phase of the game. But we're we're gonna get into some stuff right now, which to me really solidifies season one of Australian Survivor as an underrated gem and one that, as we are trying to do, needs more love out there in the Australian Survivor community and more respect in the history of the Australian version of the show. I'm going to take a line from the great David Haas that uh, this little kitchen's going to start heating up, and it does. That you know we're we're hitting merge, the game starts. You know people are starting to play for themselves now, starting to play for that five hundred thousand dollars and and that crown of Soul Survivor. And I want to take this opportunity too, Ben. I know at the start of the show you mentioned about people getting on and liking our social media, following us, and uh, yeah, I just want to take this opportunity to. Um, you know, thank everyone so far who's been following us, listening to us. We've been getting some fantastic downloads, especially on the interviews that we've had. It's quite incredible that, you know, people still want to hear from these players all these years later. And I know I've been loving it. I've been loving hearing all these stories. So it is great to know that there's 
you know, the fans of our podcast, ASA, are, are loving it too. So, you know, we are noticing the downloads and how good they are. So thanks again for following us. If, you, if you've got friends out there that, um, you know, love old school Survivor or, or even new school Survivor, let them know about us because, you know, we really appreciate it. And, you know, if we want to help get it out there and, and so people can hear these stories. Couldn't agree with you more, and I think that it's been um, a lot of fun sharing this and learning ourselves. As you said, you know, we're we're two fans basically uh, who are who are learning along the way. You, of course, have been lucky enough to have played the game, but it's it's still a learning experience for us as we're bringing these episodes uh, to you listening. And we really do appreciate all the the support that we've been given. Uh, whether you've listened to us, you've commented on social media, or sent us a message, it's been fantastic. And a couple of things that we'll say before we close this out. Again, we alluded to the buffs a couple of times. We keep teasing about this. Um, there will be more information, but people listening will have another opportunity to get themselves these unique collector's items that we've had created to help celebrate this season as well as the uh, the only tribe in Australian Survivor history never to have an emerge made for them. So stay tuned for that. But in terms of episodes in, in the coming weeks, we're actually taking a, a brief break from episode recaps at least for a fortnight, it will seem, if you are listening to this chronologically at the time they're being released. If you're listening to us in the future, as we always say, it's not going to matter. You're probably going to listen to the next episode straight away. But this is how it's happening at the time we're recording it. Next week, first interview that we're going to bring you. We're very, very excited, actually. We've, um, when I say we, sorry, Matt managed to track down. And then we've done the interview, of course. The man behind the music of Season 1 of Australian Survivor, his name is Jack Roban. And... This is a fascinating chat because a lot of people, the criticisms that they do have for Australian Survivor Season 1 is the music. The fact that it wasn't the theme, it wasn't the music we know. And I'm not playing innocent on that. I've been one of those people for many years who has complained about that. I have come around full circle on this theme and this music. And I think a lot of people listening next week will too. Because Jack really explains his ideas in creating this music how he came about getting the job, how he was restricted to what he could do, and even talking to the likes of Russ Landau to get some tips and advice to really get a vibe of how a theme for Survivor should be made. It is a fascinating chat, and Matt, we were we were privileged to speak to Jack, and I'm, I'm sure that everybody's going to love our interview with him next week. Before I start talking about the great Jack Robin, talking about intros, <laughs> that Deb episode, can I just say Ben... I loved your editing skills there where you edited in the famous five music at the start. And I hope everyone listened to that interview right until the end because I I loved how you then finished it off with the full version of the uh, famous five uh, theme song. It was actually quite, uh, quite interesting. And then obviously there's a little bit right at the end of that episode. So if you haven't, if you, if you stopped it after the interview actually finished, go back and listen to it. It's worth it. But you're hundred percent right, Ben, this Jack Robin interview is 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 fantastic and i'm not just saying that because i want people to listen to it it really is it gives us a great insight of how that music came to be the theme um how he got chosen to be on to, to do it and just his thinking um in the process of putting all the music together and look jack roman he's just such a great guy it was, it was an honor to interview and it's something a little bit different like on this podcast it's a it's a um archives podcast as you know and we we're not it's not just about the players there's also the behind the scenes stuff and we want our listeners to be able to understand how these choices and decisions came to be and 
this episode, um, this interview we do with Jack Robin is, trust me, is a must listen to. And I really hope that you all enjoy it. And I'd love to hear feedback afterwards. So, you know, if you can leave us some feedback of your thoughts about these types of interviews we do, we would love it because we want to bring we want to bring these types of interviews to your speakers. And the following week after you hear from Jack Robin, we are hoping to bring you an interview with Sylvan. Um, we're just in the process of getting that organised, so that will be the plan. If that doesn't happen, you will we will return back to your regular scheduled programming and bring you our first uh, recap of the, of the merge phase of the game. But it is our plan to, to have Sylvan on that following week. So again, as I said, hopefully the next two weeks, just taking a bit of a break from the recaps and we're getting into some interviews and uh, Jack Robin next week and hopefully Sylvan the following week. And just so you understand, it's always a little bit tricky because obviously we know Sylvan lives in a fantasy world and the time <laughs> runs a little bit slower in the fantasy world. So it's all about yes. trying to match match up our timings with his in his fantasy world. It's, it's a bit tricky, but we'll make it happen. Technology hasn't reached the peak 18 years later to the fantasy world that you think it would have. So we're hoping that the Telstra network we're using can, can get those times to match and we'll, we'll make it happen. And how great is the Telstra network, man? Like, seriously. Like, uh, you know, I, I would say that I'm recording this on a Telstra network. I'm not. But you might be, Matt. I don't know if you're with Big Pond, but just, just bloody well say you are, Sam, how great the connection's been, this, this interview. Look, I'm going to lie here and say, yep, I'm on the Telstra network. <laughs> and, it, and my phone's on the Telstra network, so... Uh, that's there you that. go. And you haven't had a dropout all week, I'm sure. <laughs> not one. I, I did watch the recap on my Telstra network, so there we go. There you go. That counts. Uh, And to everybody listening to us on the Telstra Network, give us a like on Facebook, mash the like button, hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, and as I said, we we appreciate any feedback that you give. We read all the comments, all the messages that you send us in, so thank you very much. Subscribe on all the good podcast channels, all the bad podcast channels. There's Apple Podcasts, there's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're all out there. If you're old school like me, bloody call it iTunes. It's probably still existing there. I'm not too sure. I'm still in Ben's fantasy world, it seems. And uh, we will look forward to bringing you a fantastic interview next week because it is going to be very, very exciting. My name's been Matt, and I've got to go, Ben, because I've got to go call Robin the nanny. And my name's Ben. I've actually just got to go shave because Adam's coming home soon and he doesn't like the hair. So um, hopefully I'll be nice, clean, and bald for him ready for next week. Thanks for listening. Well, we're in the middle of nowhere, but thanks to Telstra's mobile coverage... Even in remote areas of Australia, you can still phone home. It tastes like uh, cut-up Dunlop pies. I'm the only 49-year-old in the country with dreadlocks. You know, if I'm lucky enough to be around when we merge, then I'm going in there playing to win everybody in the I can and shove it to them. So we'll see if that can be done. That's its um, feces. Oh, snails. Joe. Could we have scrounges when I get home? And could we have um, vichyssoise and then um, spinach slice with a baked potato and lots of yummy A's and um, uh, cauliflower cheese, tomato and onion and then a big, big baked rice afterwards. And next morning for breakfast, could we have cold spinach slice and hot macaroni cheese with Tabasco? A lot of people go beach fishing. Yeah, but they've got rods. Yeah, I feel sick, like I've got morning sickness, like I'm pregnant. Sorry, I know it's not the case. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Fine. Are they all okay? Everything's going well. Are they? And they're being, they're being good for you? You coping okay? Oh, and they're missing me too much? <laughs> no. 
good luck to them. It does seem like they've had a free ride, especially Jane. I think everybody hates Jane at the moment. I've been missing you so much. I just keep the phone for the baby. I'm going to be a European woman when I get back. You don't get the shame. <laughs> Oh, oh my god, I, I don't know if I can see it like this. <laughs> and when you pick me up from the airport, can you bring me chocolate? <laughs> you <laughs> Yeah, I want family blocks. Hi, mate. Hi, good. Good, how are you? Alright, how's it going? Good. So good to hear your voice. Oh, yes, please. <sighs> <sighs> yummy, yummy. Food in our tummy. <laughs> <laughs>